Well, hi there, everybody. Sorry to interrupt your other podcasts that you're listening to, but a little uh, fun announcement to make here. Casey, in summertime, we'd like to get up to some antics. And those antics would involve getting a bunch of nerds together and doing what nerds do best, yelling at each other. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. So we are going to do Nerd Debate live this year. <gasps> Nerd Debate 5 live. There we in go. Person. Boom. That yes. is the subtitle. We just came up with it. We will be doing this at the amazing Bullfinch Brew Pub here in Syracuse, New York. So find all the information that you need at our social media or at nightshiftradio.com. We've drank Bullfinch's beer before. Dave, the brewmaster at Bullfinch, makes amazing beers. Check out the amazing stuff that's happening in Bullfinch. You can go to bullfinchbrewpub.com. Come join us on Saturday, July the 29th at 7.30 and be sure to be ready to listen to a bunch of nerds <laughs> argue with each other. <laughs> Alright, we're going to leave your podcast now. Goodbye. <laughs> You're listening to the Never Heard of It podcast, a Night Shift Radio original. Every week we bring you the good, the bad, the weird, and lesser known streaming movies. Hit subscribe for new episodes every Thursday and Sunday. So sweaty. And all I'm doing, literally, just sitting here. Just sitting, I mean, you know, you got the lights and the heat of the monitors and the cameras and the... I don't, like, do you experience this, like, when you wear... Like on ear or over ear headphones, like do you feel like it's just trapping heat on your your head and like you get one hundred percent? The number of times I finished a recording session and felt like I had a fever because like it just trapped all my heat, or like halfway through a work day, I'm like I can't, I I have to take these headphones off. Like I like yeah. I've left meetings early or like declined meetings because I'm like I can't wear I can't wear these any longer. My face is flushed red. I'm not wearing my glasses because they were fogging up. Like. What yeah. the fuck, man? <laughs> but like, yeah, I, it's all like I have to not have the the air conditioning running because that's just like right there, pointing straight at the microphone. So I was like, yep. <laughs> like yep. I, I can see the the monitor on on Audacity just going like crazy whenever it's running. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it gets a uh, it's a it's a hot one. It's- um. Yeah, so uh, gonna talk about a thing. What the are paper, we drinking? Paper wait, wait, goils. Wrong show. Paper goils. <laughs> paper goils. Yeah. Paper goils. Look, I really thought that would pop off, but let me tell you why I think it didn't. I don't think anybody's watching this show, Paper I Girls. I didn't know it was out. I had seen like uh, an article about it or something. Like, I feel like it, it came up in my my daily scrolling through theverge.com or like on Twitter or something yeah. like that. Um, but I didn't know it was out. I, I remember seeing that it was going to be on Amazon Prime, which honestly, like as you're familiar, when I see that something that looks interesting is a Prime exclusive, I just immediately write it off like I'm never going to see this. Uh, sure. Uh, and so like I don't think about it. And I, I, there's probably a fair number of people who are like me. Uh, but there are also are a lot of people who do watch Prime Video, and well, I mean, The Boys is on Prime Video, yeah. Fleabag, Miss, you know, yeah. Miss Maisel, like, uh, that's, that's, uh, like, good. There are good shows on Prime, which is unfortunate. What pisses me off, yeah, because I want to yeah. watch them, <laughs> but, because you don't want to watch them. Yeah. So, the uh, tell me about Paper Girls. Tell us. 
about paper Tell girls. Tell us about paper girls. So here's here's another one of those things that I think this is a really big marketing mistake. And we talked about this uh, a few episodes ago about other things. So paper girls just debuted about a week ago. Um, it, it came out on Friday, uh, July 27th. Um, it is in a prime exclusive uh, and it stars uh, Ali Wong, who is, I, I will say right off the bat, tragically underutilized in this show. I did not know even she though she, that at all. She's one of the main characters, but she's not in most of the show. It's weird. We're, we're going to, we'll kind of talk about it. And, uh, but another character that's in this uh, movie is Adina Porter. Um, and for those of you who are like, yeah, I don't know who that is. Um, that would be none other than Miss Letty May herself from True Blood. That would be Lafayette's oh, mother yes. from uh, True Blood. Of course. And she is one of the bad guys in this. But there is one other person that when I tell you who the bad, that they're the bad guy of the mo- of the series it's going to completely change your perception of the series. Okay. So I'm going to tell you one briefly what the series is and what it is not. So it has been marketed as Stranger Things-esque. Mm-hmm. It is not. Okay. It's not. The okay. only thing that it has in common with Stranger Things is that it's the same age of kids, but in this case, they're all girls because they're paper girls. They they are paper delivery girls. Okay. And it takes place, uh, see, starts uh, taking place in the 80s. That's really it for the Stranger Things part. This is actually a time travel story. So Mm. the plot of this, which is revealed in the trailer, is that these four paper girls, um, you know, they're on their paper route. It's Halloween night, about to be November. It's uh, October 31st, about to be November 1st. They see a crazy thing happen in the sky. They freak out. They wake up or, you know, and now they are in the year 2019 and they run into the one of the one of the paper girls basically uh, ends up running into herself older, who is Ali Wong. And that is the the character of Aaron. Weird. So that is the plot. It's basically them being like, how did we time travel? How do we get back? Right. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's, Mm -hmm. it's that kind of story. And it has to do with like, you know, uh, an underground faction of people that are trying to stop a fascist, seemingly fascist uh, faction of people that are trying to like reset history to their fascist beliefs. Whereas the other ones are like, no way, man, we got to keep it, you know, all higgledy piggledy or whatever. At least that's what we think at the start of the the show, right? You know, it, it, we I'm not saying there's an answer at the end of season one, but you start to question things. I so would, now I would go like ahead. for you to confirm or refute if someone actually uses the phrase higgledy piggledy in this show, because that might make a difference no, for me. It really Damn. they don't. But <laughs> uh, here's uh, here's uh, um. One of the things that may completely change your perception of the show. So now I've set the premise, right? Cool sci-fi show. Oh, this was you know, a graphic you, novel too, wasn't it? It, it was originally I a knew graphic I novel. That. Okay, thank you. Go on. So here's who the bad guy of this uh, show is: Jason Manzukis. Shut your face. Who's that? Uh, oh wait, no, I see now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I saw the picture. <laughs> Like, what? <laughs> it's like this serious, like, people are dying and getting, like, laser blasted. 
And then like Jason Manzuka shows up and is like, hey everybody, I'm the bad guy. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> it's like, what is this nonsense? So uh, of course, Jason Manzukis, for those of you unfamiliar, he played Derek uh on the show The Good Place. Uh, and also he hosts a podcast very similar to this one called How Did This Get Made? Oh, that's right. Uh, and that is uh that. Jason Manzukis. He has, you know, he's known for his big, crazy, curly hair and big beard. Very, very funny guy, you know, stand-up comedian, been in a lot of other things. He's going to um, be uh, Dionysus in the Percy Jackson series that Disney's working on. Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, I'm actually excited for the reboot of that one because I know that uh, historically that uh, was based off a really good uh, book series, which I didn't read, but I hear it's good. I thought the books were fun. The movies that they did were just such a letdown. Uh, yeah. See, they, I didn't read the books and the movies were meh. That's the thing is like, like we, we've talked about this before. Like when you have source material that people like, and especially when you have like this deep well of it, like he did a, like, at least a seven book series, I think Rodin did for it, this. It's a, it's a long um, one. Yeah. And they, when they, they do the first movie as though like they're absolutely certain that they'll never be able to make another one. And so like, they just bomb it right from the beginning. It's the same thing that happened with the, uh, the uh, initial attempt at doing uh, his Dark Materials, the Golden Compass movie. The Golden Compass, yeah. Which, mm -hmm. uh, in some ways, was absolutely delightful. Visually, it was beautiful, but you could tell yep. they made it without any confidence at all that they were ever going to make the other two. And that just, yep. like, it kills me. Like, why would you shoot yourself in the foot, like, so blatantly? Like, if you make a really good adaptation and a studio chooses not to pick up the rest of the, the stories... Okay, that's not on you. But when right. you make the first one so bad or like try to self-contain it so much that like you don't leave room for the rest of it, that is on you. Yeah, I mean, at some point, you know, people pick up the licensing for this and the, the book people are making money for it. I would push for them to make it as a to-be-continued whether they make a second movie or not, because mm -hmm. worst case scenario, people are going to see the first movie and be like, well, shit, now I want to know what's happened. What yeah. happens? I'm going to go buy the book, right? Yeah. That's the the point of the whole thing anyways. But so it's here, like, here's my non-spoiler review about Paper Girls. Okay, go. It's almost good. Almost <laughs> perfect, I'll say. No, it is good. It's almost perfect. <laughs> almost. It, it like just like it's almost there for everything like when it comes down to acting you know obviously it's a bunch of kids it, it's not so much the kids it's it's kind of the other characters it's almost there for the writing it's almost there for the plot it's a little too vague like i left season one is season one's only eight episodes as most like streaming shows are nowadays and after episode eight i was kind of like yeah but i still don't really understand how or why they time traveled and we spend eight episodes talking about it. I, I still kind of don't fully get it, but it's like, oh, it's like so close. It's like right there. That it's to, so close, but like, <clears throat> it's just I, not there. I feel like a lot of shows like this, with, without having seen it, just based on what you've described, a lot of shows like this will introduce these like really vague concepts in season one, just like they give you the background and they jump into the action. And then if they get greenlit for another season, then they go back in like season two, episode three or whatever, and they give you background of like how we got to here. And I would hope for the sake of like what you're describing from this show, uh, that that's something that they would do in a second season is like, give like, like, but like, but how did we get here? Oh, this is what happened. Like maybe it's a weird flashback and we see 
someone casting a, a dark magic spell or we see someone turning on a machine that rips a hole in space time or something like that. Like, I feel like that, like even Stranger Things did stuff like that. They like continued yeah. to add depth as they added, like as they widened out the scope of the story, they gave us more depth. <clears throat> Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, it, it is, uh, uh, you know, I will say that this is not really one I would recommend watching with young kids, mm. uh, just just like with Stranger Things. Um, there's not really any, like, sex stuff. Um, there is talk about it a little bit, but not in a graphic Ooh. manner. Um, right? <laughs> but not in a graphic manner, but there is a lot of F-bombs. Sure. It's very clear that they were like, look, we're edgy. We're making our 15, 16-year-old kids say the F-word a Fuck lot. Yeah. A lot. Um, and Paper Girls is doing okay. I mean, it's 87% uh, critic score on Rotten Tomatoes with an 82% audience score. Like I said, it is. it was enjoyable. I did enjoy it. I just think they're just missing stuff. I think, I think one, they need to stop comparing it to Stranger Things. Yeah. I think, two, they really should lean into the fact that it used to be a graphic novel. Uh, and three, I think they need better writers. Because um, I feel like... This is kind of my my complaint about something uh, I had recently about something else is that it felt like it was originally written for the CW. And then when Prime picked it up, they were like, OK, just start saying fuck every other sentence because now we can. Uh, and it was kind of like, yeah, yeah, but it doesn't feel right. You know, like, look, I know that at because these kids are supposed to be like 13, uh, you know, like 13, 14. And I was like, look, man, I know at 13, 14, I was swearing a lot, but like it feels really awkward. Like, it yeah. just feels like, is anybody going to tell these kids to stop fucking swearing? Like, anybody? <laughs> it was really, it was really weird, but... Uh, you can tell I, when I it's kind of forced. It. it felt very forced, yeah. yeah. And, I mean, you know, uh, look, it, it, it's got a really, I love the really cool plot, although there is a plot hole. So one of the main characters is Jewish, and her parents are like, you know, first off, I was like, well, this is what we're doing. But like her dad owns a bank and I was like, Jesus Christ, uh, is he a goblin too, J.K. Rowling? Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> but like he, they own a bank, but they throw this big fancy party, but they have this huge spread of shrimp. Uh, I'm sorry, nope. shrimp are not kosher. Nope. No, 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 nope, nope, no, no. Nope. That's no scales and no fins. Not kosher, my friend. Uh, so and I was like, plot hole. Even if you were somehow like deciding that you were going to offer this for your non-kosher guests, like there would still be like strict separation of that. Like, yep, like, it was integrated. It was the main yeah. platter of this whole thing, and I was like, no, 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 nope. that is wrong. Yep, someone fucked like, up. Someone done goofed. Uh, yeah, so that's Paper Girls streaming on Prime. I, I enjoyed it. It was an easy watch. All episodes are about 40, 50 minutes long. Um, I ripped through it in about a night and a half. Um, uh, I recommend it, but I, I, it's pr probably the book is better. You know, so like if you watch a couple episodes and you're into it, pick up the book. I yeah. bet you the book is a lot better. I know I, I saw a few people um, across the internet talking about how much they loved the graphic novel, so they were excited for the series. But then after it came out, Literally, no one's been talking about it, and I don't know why. Fucking wild. Yeah, so you, there's that. You mentioned the, the comparison to, to Stranger Things, and I think that, like, so yesterday, uh, we decided to take a, a little uh, excursion across the river uh, into the eastern lands, uh, and we were, we were wandering around uh, little downtown Belleville, Illinois, <clears throat> cute little old town, and it just 
I was thinking about it as I was looking around at the the shops and restaurants and stuff that are there. There's actually like a functioning old theater still, which I That's looked awesome. at. I was like, that looks like it used to be a theater. And then I saw the marquee and the poster. And I was like, that is still a theater. That's dope. Uh, and like seeing like vacant office buildings and thinking about it, I was like, with the like huge like burst of like 80s like small town nostalgia that shows like Stranger Things has reintroduced into culture – I wonder why more towns like that aren't like really leaning into that like Hawkins vibe and like trying to revitalize that way by like playing on people's nostalgia and the reverse of it. Like why more people aren't looking at towns like this and saying like, let's bring this to life and like have this be our like small town, like television dream. I like, I I look around and like, I was like, I want to own every one of these office buildings and like do something cool with each one of them. And like, yeah. There was like like 80s brutalist. There was like 1800s red brick. There was like bizarre mid-century shit. Like every, like all across the the spectrum of like in downtown office. And like every one of them has so much potential. It's like some of them are in use for sure, but like there's sure. a lot of four-lease signs in in towns like that. And I think like, man, like I I love cities and it's it's hard for me to picture living outside of a city, but I could do it in a well planned and like densely populated uh, like small city where like you walk around and like you you know every yeah. shopkeeper and you know like you know it's you can walk to the park at night and like all this shit like I just I I had a bit of that growing up. I spent a, a fair amount of time in like real small towns, rural towns, and like there is a part of me that does think like I could do that again. But not not in the current state of things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, you know, uh, Buffalo is a little bit like that. Uh, you know, there's there's two streets in Buffalo that were used uh, during the filming of A Quiet Place and A Quiet Place Part Two to make it look like you know the years before um, the, the the aliens came and and attacked. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and then they were also used. Uh, uh, Buffalo area was used in in that uh, Guillermo del Toro uh, movie uh, Nightmare Alley, which was just confusing. That was ah, a very confusing yeah, I didn't movie. Watch it. it it like meant to have this really cool twist at the end where it was more of like a psychological thriller. And, and, but like when it did, I was just kind of like, but why? Like, this isn't a twist. It just doesn't make sense. Yeah. Um, but that they used a lot of downtown Buffalo areas and like, you know, outskirts, like the, the suburban, uh, areas of Buffalo to make it look like that. And Buffalo has a huge film market right now. Yeah. They film bu- uh, movies in Buffalo all the time. There's Hallmark movies that are filmed there. You know, <laughs> Guillermo del Toro has now filmed two movies there. Imagine um, John filming, Krasinski uh, has done two. Imagine filming a shit ton of holiday romances in a city that's constantly buried in snow. That's, that's that's perfect. That's adorable. Weird. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, it's like you get eight months out of the year to film uh, Christmas movies when yeah. normally you get, uh, you know, in, in L.A., zero. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. there's that. You got to do that shit indoors in L.A. No, I think about, like, so when I used to live in Oakland briefly, um, I, I hope it's still running. I don't know if it is, but there was a, a free, like, shuttle bus line that ran up and down Broadway, like, pretty much all day until, like, you know, 10 o'clock at night or whatever. It was like every 10, 20 minutes, something. And you just, you hop on and it literally just took you up and down this one road. Um, and 
you know, it, it's a very walkable street. And I, with working legs, was had no problem with just walking the length of the street. But also, it's sure. super fucking convenient to be able to say, like, oh, the, the place that I want to go is, like, two miles that way. Uh, oh, the bee's coming. I'm just going to hop on that and take it away. They called it the Broadway Bee. It's great. Sure. Uh, That's nice. And, like, I just imagine, like... Finding like a this like a, a perfectly picturesque little town somewhere in rural America, buying the whole goddamn thing, like enticing a bunch of businesses to come and like open up shop and like setting up a bus line that just runs up and down the, the main street like an electric bus, so no you know no emissions, yep. and then like figuring out some sort of like rapid express you know, transit connector to like the next major city, just like run that like every hour back and forth something like that, and just like. Really giving people a, a, you know, a, a quiet little escape while still being able to be like easily connected to something bigger. That's that's one of my weirder dreams, but I want to make it happen. There actually was a little town like that in Menlo Park, um, and and um, I mean Menlo Park, you know, yes, but you have to be like a, a millionaire in order to live there. Yeah. Um, but that's basically what it was. It was a very small little shop, but there was a train every hour. It would take you straight into San Francisco. Yeah. Um, but there was a, I, I remember because that's where I went on my honeymoon and we would go oh. to this crepe uh, place in the morning. We would have crepes, hop mm. on the train, zip over to uh, uh, San Francisco, wander around for the day, grab the train, head back. And then there was a nice little like dessert shop right off. Uh, also not at the same place, but a different place that we would grab a slice of pie or something and then, and then head home, and it was yeah. great. And we did that for like two weeks straight. Best best vacation I think I've ever had. It was awesome. That sounds great. Or even like like find one of those rundown towns that used to be a like a popular stop along the the Amtrak, which like you yeah. see those sometimes if you if you take an Amtrak train and you pay enough attention. <laughs> you mean Syracuse? As yeah, you, as you roll through, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> as you roll through town, you'll see places where there used to be a station and there isn't anymore. Like bring that place back to life. Like yeah. work with with Amtrak to like get that station back up and running, and like have be able to, to to ferry people in and out. Like things like that. Like there's a lot that we could do. To, like you know, people are like, I don't like cities. Okay, great. Like let's get you in a small town then, but let's get you all the the like amenities of a city. Like, right. There's a reason that people congregate together. Uh, is because we we tend to do better as a species in larger social groups. Now, it's like, true. I totally Don't understand by tigers. If, if it, that larger social group being in the millions isn't your jam, totally understandable. But like the opposite end of that tends to be a, a town of you know twelve people who just won't leave because like their great great granddaddy found, you know, founded it or something like that. Like yeah, somewhere in the middle, like there's there's a really like a really there's a sweet spot. I think. Cool. Uh, yeah, so we got a brand new episode. We're we're doing shark movies uh, yeah, we coming up. We're doing shark movies, and and uh, w- the theme of this month is a question. And the question is: Are there okay, good shark movies that aren't Jaws? That aren't Jaws. Are there good shark movies that aren't Jaws? And the very first movie we're going to do, uh, I'm not sure that's going to answer that question in in the way. I don't think it's going to be a surprise. No. Uh, but the first movie is called Noah's Shark. 
Uh, yeah, which is currently streaming <laughs> on Prime Video and Tubi TV. So if you're the type of person that watches movies before we review them, that's where you can find it. Prime yeah. Video and for free over on TubiTV.com. Yeah. Um, so definitely check that out and watch it if that's your thing. Uh, but other than that, uh, there it is. We've got a whole month of shark movies coming your way. And uh, so thanks a lot for watching. Uh, for those of you on YouTube, don't forget to subscribe and hit that notification bell. We post brand new episodes every Thursday. There it is. Caleb's pointing right at it. <laughs> and uh, for those of you listening on your podcast player of choice, hey, thank you for subscribing. And if you could leave a rating and review, that would be super helpful. Uh, and if not, uh, as always, that. there's no button for that. <laughs> well, visually, they can't see the audio. <laughs> but, uh, uh, but of course, for both of you, as always, make sure to share with 100,000 of your closest friends. It's, you know, it's all we ask. And we like, I don't think it's too much. I really don't. It's just, it's, it's a little thing. So thanks a lot for listening and watching everyone. And we will see you on Sunday. Woo! You are about to enter a world unlike any other. A world where terror and imagination collide. Where nearly anything is possible. This is Night Shift Radio Presents Suspense. I'm your host, Caleb. Allow me to welcome you back to the theater of the mind. As we bring you this classic series from the golden age of radio. We've resurrected all of the available original episodes, unaltered, for the sole purpose of introducing a new generation of listeners to this magical world. Dubbed Radio's Outstanding Theater of Thrills, Suspense originally ran from 1940 through 1962, culminating in 946 episodes and featuring renowned voice talent from the worlds of cinema and radio. The many tales of suspense span across mystery, sci-fi, fantasy, and horror, all sharing the common goal of hooking the listener until the very end. It is my sincere hope that this show can inspire and entertain you as it did my younger self and so many others. So be sure to subscribe for new episodes daily, wherever you get podcasts. And now, close your eyes, take a deep breath, and set your imagination free in a world of mystery, intrigue, and yes, suspense. Suspense.